Welcome, friends. This is the Art of Aliveness podcast, and I'm your host, Chrissy Marie. It's a space where we explore how to nurture life force energy through the path of creativity, curiosity, compassion, courage, and connection. Let's dance. Welcome, welcome, friends. I have an amazing man on with me today, a new friend, Joelle Adifon. And Joelle was raised in a family where spiritual gifts and two-way dialogue with the divine were an everyday affair. And he began having visionary experiences at an early age. In this context, he grew up feeling different from other children, spent childhood to early adolescence wrestling with feelings of loneliness and alienation, caught between the world of spirit and wanting to be a normal kid. At age 15, divine intervention opened Joel's eyes. During a vivid visionary encounter, he heard a call to share the reality of God's intimate love. From then on, Joel resolved to deepen his walk with the divine and help others know the source of miracles. Today, Joel watches people experience the same life-changing power of divine intervention. As a divine catalyst and supernatural creative, he shows people of all paths and persuasions that God is kind and miracles are normal. His work helps push the boundaries of what is deemed possible. Via the kindness of God, bodies heal spontaneously, life-changing messages from the other side are received, finances are radically altered, and destiny unfolds in a myriad of other ways. Welcome, Joelle. I am so excited to have you on. And have Thank this- you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yay! Well, when you reached out, I believe you were using language around conversing about the relationship between play creativity and miracles Mm. and immediately I just got a full body like yes we're going to have this conversation yes please come on and chat Mm. and your story is fascinating from from our initial conversation so I'd love to just open the floor and let you share a little bit about yourself and what feels what feels alive for you right now yeah so Thank you, Chrissy. I'm excited to be here. Uh, yeah, for me, I have the the privilege and the honor of having a front row seat to watching the saints, masters, and divine ones show people that God is kind and miracles are normal. And I include myself in the audience of people they're showing because I've gotten to see things like tumors and cysts disappear. Mm-hmm. I had a friend that was healed of HIV through through prayer and then she had a dream and this friend in her life that had HIV who hadn't told her she ended up praying for him and then he was healed uh all kinds of things are happened in this work uh had someone come to me who had 72 cents in his bank account and then we did our work together and five days later he was given an inheritance of 40k that Mm. he didn't even know existed and to me this has been something that I've inherited in different bits and pieces from family members, from 
mentors that I've had along my path who never allowed me to have some of the boxes that we have in the Western world. I remember one of my earliest memories is my mom used to take me to this Catholic church and she would decorate the statues of the saints. And when she would do that, I would sit in the front pew and there would be this big statue of the risen Yeshua sitting up front. And I would just look up. I was probably between the ages of six and eight years old. And I would look up at this big wooden statue smiling at me. And all of a sudden, one day, as I'm looking up at this statue, the statue took on this lifelike quality, like as if the wood changed into skin. And there was this joy and this potency and this vibrancy emanating from this statue. And as I'm looking up, like, I'm just like a six to eight year old kid. I'm like, you know, captivated by this thing. And I could just feel this divine love for me personally. And in that moment, I just got excited. And I went up and I said, ma, ma, Jesus está movendo. Jesus is moving. Oh, oh yeah, by the way, I should probably mention Italian was my first language. So it's like, Jesus está movendo, Jesus está movendo, Jesus is moving. And my mom did something that I've not forgotten to this day. She, first and foremost, she smiled this big smile. She said, wow, that's great. That's awesome. And she encouraged me. And then she went right back to what she was doing. So the first thing she did was she validated it. And the second thing she did was she normalized it. And that is a gift that I received from my mother and that I received from many of the mentors and teachers that I've had in my life. And that's, that moment could have gone very differently had I been raised in a different family. And that moment could have had many different reverberations in my life. And it's in, been in my work of working with people, but also in my everyday life of learning to hear the divine and the saints, masters, divine ones, different aspects of deity in normal everyday life has opened up a lot of different things because we're taught that, okay, life with the divine exists only when you're in meditation. Life with the divine exists only when you're in ashram or you're in church or you're in insert place, we've been taught to deem sacred. And we've been taught to dissociate the divine from all aspects of our humanity and all aspects of our lives. And we've been seen to see the divine as this dude sitting up in the cloud with these Zeus light, lightning bolts and waiting to see if we'll mess up. And when we have that image, when we have that perception, that archetype, so many possibilities are closed. And so a great deal of my work is helping people delete and renew and activate all these different archetypes that are in their minds, that are in their fields about who and what the divine is for them personally. And when that happens, there is this spirit of play that is open. Like, for example, some people are shocked when I'll be in, a, in the middle of a divine intervention with a client and all of a sudden there will be this belief that is shown that is coming forward to be released. And Joshua will be like, tell them I said, fuck that. 
<laughs> and these really conservative, you know, so people that have been raised in conservative Christianity to hear that the divine would come through me with different kinds of language or different kinds of analogy that they haven't been used to, to having associated with something deeply spiritual starts to break a lot of those boxes and starts to break a lot of the starch rigidity that has been put. But here's the deal though. Here's something I want to point out. God sees us naked. (laughs) Yeah. We haven't really thought about that. Like the divine or source or whatever you want to call everything sees us naked. Right. So why are we trying to hide? And it's that story. It's that concept of the fig leaves that the second, you know, if you, if you, use the, the story in Genesis as an archetype, right? The second that this concept of good, right, you know, good, evil, right, wrong, you know, light, dark, all of that stuff, the second that we became aware of this, we became bound to it. And when we became bound to it, instead of being able to play and instead of having love guide us to where, okay, is that what I want to do? Is that the most effective you know, instead of the power of free choice as our given right as being children, as being offspring of that which is greater, right? It became, all right, no, I don't want to get it wrong. Mm. And so we went from playing to win and we began playing not to lose. So. <laughs> yes. Yes. I thank you for what a, what a beautiful intro and... I love that story. I love that you shared it again um, of seeing Jesus personified and mm-hmm. having that just, just a, like a, a normal part of your, of your upbringing and yeah. your paradigm and that piece you're speaking to about um, spirituality for many of us being something that um, we, we like strive for, but often we're so focused on, on the our ideas of what not to do versus getting in touch with our spiritual sovereignty. And you use the word effective, like what's effective for me versus right and wrong. I love that language shift. I think that's really important there. I call it like life language. It's life force affirming language because it's not riddled with shame. It's mm-hmm. either it's effective or it's not effective. And what is, and then we get to learn what that actually means for us, mm-hmm. spiritual mm-hmm. beings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, Right before we jumped on this podcast, uh, you used a term spiritual orphanism. Mm. Can you speak into that a bit more? For sure. So, yeah, this came to me a few days ago, and it's something that I've probably been thinking about in different ways, but haven't quite put it together the way it's starting to unfold and crystallize. So I'm sure many of the listeners or some of the listeners know about the the global meditation that happened right and there's all kinds of reasons why we gather and and do spirituality together in community and there's so much good intention but a lot of times in spiritual circles things happen and especially in what a lot of people call the new age a lot of things happen where there's an issue with asking questions there's an issue with talking about things like cultural appropriation, talking about things like, hey, th- there's actually some evil and you know stuff going on in the world. What do we do about it? How do we hold that and see it while 
remaining in our spiritual practice while not doing, you know, being an ostrich and putting our head in the sand? How do we deal with things like climate? All these questions. And sometimes there is this positive Pollyanna syndrome that can come in spirituality of, hey, I don't want the good vibes to go away. And in the past, I've had a sort of frustrated perspective with that, especially as someone who has had a spirituality and these kind of mystical experiences as a kid. But I feel like a few days ago, the divine humbled me. I was talking with a friend and we were talking about why in, in threads, whenever someone brings up rational observations or criticisms of a certain spiritual movement, there is this diehard desire for many spiritual practitioners to defend it. Now, you could say that's in all areas of life. But for this particular thing, I, I feel like I had this opening where I saw that we all have a desire to be loved. We all have a desire to be special. To, we all have a desire to be significant and to feel like who we are and what we do matters. Mm. And as children, we come into this world wide-eyed and full of wonder. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen the Rugrats, mm-hmm. the show, where they're like playing and, and in their minds, they're like, you know, in a spaceship or they're like battling monsters. And then it cuts to what the adults are seeing. And they're just seeing a bunch of kids in a sandbox or in a crib, you know, babbling to each other. We come into this world with the ability to see the magic, the wonder, the awe, the sacredness in everything. Spirituality at its finest, at its, at its most pure. And what happens is sooner or later we're told, okay, it's time to grow up. It's time to go to the real world. Just like a baby in, its mother's, in, in their mother's womb, there comes a point where we're pushed out against our will out into quote unquote normal life. Now for some people who have a spiritual reality, like let's say you grow up in an indigenous community. Let's say you grow up in the family that I had. Let's say you grow up, you know, in a, in a household where people are even practicing healers. There are different, there's a, there are different movements in being able to transition that childlike reality into what is appropriate for that age. There's rites of passage. There's all kinds of things that we have. There's elders, there's community. But oftentimes in the West where we've become divorced from those aspects of spiritual rites of passage, of the sacred being able to be bestowed in a way that pushes us forward into lineage, into different aspects of life, there is like Velcro being ripped off. And what happens is that we're told Santa is not real. We're told, listen, there's no such thing as magic. And in some cases, we're told, listen, there's no such thing as the spiritual. And so what happens is we carry these wounds, these deep wounds of I'm not significant. I'm not special. What I do and who I am ultimately in the grander scheme of things may not actually matter. Yes, I may matter to my family. Yes, I might matter to 
my circle. But in the large scheme of the infinite or the vastness of the universe, do I really count? And so picture people having that experience, having that trauma of separation. When all of a sudden they experience that glitch in the matrix, they experience that synchronicity, they experience those events that seem to to belie and speak to the fact that the world is like Indra's net, is an interconnected series of events and circumstances that are bleeding and blending and flowing and melding with each other. All of a sudden, that precious beloved, that precious first love that was thought to be lost returns. And what the divine started showing me is, Joel, that archetypes and egregores and thought forms and different beings and entities that prey on people basically use that wound. Mm -hmm. And so me getting upset with people and and getting annoyed and saying, what are they doing? There is such a deep purity underneath what's happening. Mm -hmm. There's such a deep desire for the truth and for what is their birthright. And so when, when someone who maybe has more experience in the spiritual path, maybe whether in this body or in other lifetimes comes along and, or maybe even just has a knowing like, Hey, something's going on here. Why are we taking stuff from other cultures? Why, why are we not connecting to our own ancestral lineages? Why are we not connecting to, to, indigenous people and asking for their permission. All that people in that state are hearing is don't take away my magic. Don't take away my love. Don't take away what I've fought so hard to finally have a glimmer of in my life. And when I saw that, I I almost wept Mm -hmm. because that spiritual orphanism is so prevalent in the West and is so prevalent in our country in America. Mm. And that, when that is healed, that's where spiritual bypassing ends and miracle consciousness begins. And as someone who, as family is from West Africa and who was born in Italy and who has a, a non-Amerocentrist view of spirituality, who've seen things like Pete, like a guy who could literally leave his body and his body would literally decay and he would come back into his body and he literally told me and my family oh um the angels remade my leg because it decayed and i'm 13 years old and i'm saying "Mm, i don't know about that and internally i asked god for a sign that this dude was legit he raises his robe and all of a sudden there's red striated muscle I've never seen that before or since. Having, like, you look at the book Autobiography of a Yogi. Mm. You look at these different worldviews and what we call the third world or what we call non-Western countries. They have a view of, of magic and the sacred and the spiritual integrated into the fabric of everyday life. And I believe we can have that here. Mm. I have so much. To say. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'll start with, um, well, I deeply resonate with what you're speaking to. And my personal experience with the meditation, when I saw it, I saw the video, 
my initial pull was in the, in the beginning, the idea of, of everybody meditating at the same time felt really beautiful to me. Mm. And I think that speaks to our desire to be, to be part of something bigger than ourselves, right? That innate, like there's, there must be purpose. There's going to be a higher design. Like what's the, what's the bigger picture, the existential questioning that drives us to, to keep going, you know, get up and live another day. And there was something really beautiful about that. And then as I kept watching some of the language then started to kind of spark a little bit of skepticism in me. Um, one thing that stood out was that the intention of the video that I watched was to eliminate COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other piece is that they were suggesting a very specific way of meditating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And those two pieces for me turned me off. Um, mm-hmm. And I think this kind of plays into what you're speaking in relationship to spiritual bypassing, which has a lot to do with um, repressing or wanting to eliminate the shadow or the disease or the discomfort, um, chasing that high that you talked about, chasing that high of magic, that high of aliveness and connection, and forgetting that we we still can experience that in the darkness. And, and in fact, it's it's in the alchemy of the darkness and the journeying through the darkness and and the being with and the questioning and like the really like really getting your hands like <laughs> in it, like like Play-Doh, like exploring the darkness that affords you the sustainable connection because uh, it's a ma- I believe it's like a marriage you know it's, it's mm-hmm. yes, the integration between the two so the intention to eliminate COVID seems like very kind of like the positive Pollyanna like wait, mm-hmm. wait 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 we haven't actually like gleaned all of the the wisdom that and, and the lesson and the callings from this situation mm-hmm. and then also the piece about spiritual sovereignty and how do we know like who's running the meditation and mm-hmm. like what actually is being called upon. And mm-hmm. so that being said, uh, I'd love to hear your, your thoughts on, so I got, I got so many questions. Because <laughs> <Let's start>. <laughs> <laughs> I was also curious about your culture and, and um, why you believe that it's more inherent perhaps or easier to tap into magic and, and for magic to be a part of that lifestyle versus in the West. Mm. So maybe let's start there and then we can kind of weave our way into the difference between, you know, miracle consciousness versus spiritual bypassing. I'd love to hear oh, about that. Okay. So, so which, which of those questions, the question of how, why do I think it's easier for there to, to tap into magic in non-Western cultures versus yeah. the West? Or oh, just in general, why is that the case? Okay. So, huh, this is a really good thing. It's a really good question. Okay, so there's two different... Okay, let me start here. So in the Western world, we had something with the Christian paradigm. There is this Greek philosophy that introduced a form of dualism where only the transcendent aspect of the divine was acknowledged, which is what people would call the father. Get into that in a second. But basically this transcendent aspect of the divine, it was seen to be separate from matter, separate from space, 
and basically hanging out above creation, watching as this divine patriarch and could intervene in matter, but was not present a part of matter. When the enlightenment came and we had this Newtonian Cartesian way of viewing the world where the universe is this giant machine that you can observe and Descartes, I think, therefore I am the separation of mind and matter that set into motion our perspective of what eventually of science, but also what became scientism, which is this belief that science has the answer for everything. I just want to reiterate, I really love science. I think science is amazing. And then there's a lot we as human beings can learn from science and science by its own admission, we've only observed 4% of this universe. We see point zero 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 something of the electromagnetic spectrum. We hear point zero zero whatever something of the acoustic spectrum. So there are already energies and colors and all kinds of things that we don't even have the instruments or the accoutrements to measure yet. And with the advancement of this, okay, this patriarchal way of observing and interacting with matter and reality as something to be dominated, as something to be dissected, as something to be split and managed, all the other ways of knowing, because Science comes from schiere, which is Latin for to know. And instead of understanding that music is a science, mm. that what we call art are sciences, our ways of knowing, that are other senses, which to me, I don't see. So when I say spirit, spirit to me is just the most rarefied form of energy. And what we call matter is just the most dense form of energy. And life is the interplay between these two polarities. So what we call our other ways of perceiving reality or extrasensory perception or spiritual gifts, all of those things are us accessing what is non-physical and immaterial and having hone those things into being able to perceive and observe. So the Hindu yogi is also a scientist because what he or she or they are doing is accessing other faculties that they trained. The Shaolin monk is a scientist. The earth-based ecstatic practitioner, which anthropology has taken one word from the Siberian people and said shaman, right, is also a scientist. The spiritual healer is a scientist. But because we have a society that says only one way of knowing is correct because we are basing it off of this exaltation that happened in the Enlightenment period and that continues to reverberate here, we dismiss all the other ways of knowing. Mm. And we also have a psychiatric model and a psychological model that 
is labeling people who don't have the ability to effectively navigate all the different aspects and layers and dimensions and universes correctly or effectively as crazy or basically um, messed up and dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. Where yes, there may be some dysfunction, but the but what is the function? The function isn't numbness either. Right. The function is actually the ability to be fully embodied with all the other senses. And that doesn't mean that the biomedical model doesn't have its merits. It doesn't mean that some people may not need for a time as a training wheel medication. They also need community. Mm. They also need people who can perceive in other ways. They also need what Lisa Rankin, I love her work, uh, talks about as the whole medicine model, where all the areas of expertise are coming together to help people be in their stream of wellness, in their homeostasis of well-being. And so when a child has an opening in this society and starts to perceive the different colors and the different feelings and starts to have a sensorium that is grander than the tiny little sliver that we're allowed to have, they're deemed, oh, you are ahead in the cloud. You have your head in the clouds. Oh, you're not being realistic. All of this other stuff. And depending on how dramatic their quote unquote magical abilities are, then there's all kinds of different hosts of issues. So they're pathologized. Mm. They're demonized. They're basically ostracized and they are not given the support that they need both the inner children and the outer children. Mm. And that is what makes it so difficult. I mean, we had things like the witch trials where women who, irregardless of whether they were using their abilities for the benefit of the community or not, irregardless of whether they were using it with, with the right intent or loving intent or not, were basically said, hey, you don't fit into the established status quo of what is deemed the proper way of connecting at that time via Christianity. Boom, we're going to cut you out. The same thing that happened with the indigenous practitioners in Europe, because a lot of what happened, I deal with a lot of clients that come from European ancestry and I always ask them to connect to their traditions, to connect to their ancestors, because there's a void of what needs to be acknowledged there. There's a void of the different connections to the land that were erased. Mm -hmm. And so simultaneously, you're having this assimilation to Western consciousness. You're having this demonization and this pathologizing and this antiquating of having an earth-based connection. Mm. And then you're having this simultaneously disembodiment and numbness that we've trained, that we've trained and that we all have Mm. being in this society. And to be an exception to that rule means that you have to hold your reality while simultaneously learning how to navigate Mm -hmm. people that aren't perceiving 
what you're perceiving. So that's kind of a little overview of what I feel is going on. Well, when you put it that way, (laughs) (laughs) how can you not have compassion for, for people who are just trying to navigate like all of this conditioning um, and deep ancestral disconnection. I love that you mentioned that one of the things I was going to ask you this down the line, but one of the things that you invite your clients into is connecting to their, their like actually blood lineage and ancestry and there. Yeah. That's powerful. Mm. I think that's important because a huge part of my journey was for me was reconciling my spiritual tradition with my ancestral tradition Mm. in 2014 when a lot of the police brutality stuff was really starting to come out on tv like I mean it always been happening but we really started to become aware of it on social media all these images were projected I had this crisis where I turned to the divine and I said, look, Joshua, I don't know what the fuck is happening. I'm really upset and troubled by this because this guy, uh, Mike Brown looks like my, one of my cousins. Uh, I don't think you honestly have answers. I've looked into the past and seen that Christianity was used to harm people that look like me. So Look, at this point in my journey, I've questioned so much that I don't know if you're my higher self coming to me as in a form that I can understand. I don't know if you're an ET. I don't know what the fuck you are. So just chill over there while I get this figured out, which he honored. He gave me my space. And I really started calling on my ancestors. Mm -hmm. I was raised. Something that's important to know is that in the African a collective consciousness and unconscious right now that there is actually a war um, of ideology and sometimes that actually manifests between practitioners of African spiritual indigenous African spirituality and African Christianity. A lot of African Christians look as at African indigenous practitioners as you're messing with demonic stuff mm. because of some of the way that that the power behind those traditions have been used in ways that people here in the West would say, Oh, that's a fairy tale. And uh, practitioners of indigenous African spirituality often look at African Christians as, Oh, you sold out. You abandoned your traditions to cling to a religion that was put on by your oppressors and by people that came without our best interests. And so when I started going on this journey of opening to my ancestors, I started having experiences with West African deities who came to me and I was scared shitless because I thought, oh, oh man, the, the stuff they warned me about in church is happening. And yet when I would feel into the energy of Oshun or I would feel into the energy of the Orisha or the different beings and ancestors who were coming to me, I felt this love for me. And it was not a love that that was just at the sense level. Things started to happen in my life that that brought equilibrium. Fruit started to open, and I was I couldn't shake that. And then when I got kept exploring, and New Year's Eve 2016, when I was actually in Benin as part of a family trip, I had this visionary encounter where Joshua came to me 
and was like, hey, man, I know you've been avoiding me, but I'm here to tell you, who do you think sent all these other deities and ancestors to you? That was me because I cared about you knowing who you are and being connected to your lineage because that has the power that you need in order to move forward. And when that happened, there was a profound opening. On the other side, there is oftentimes a disdain for the religion or the tradition that we're born into. Mm. And yes, absolutely, structures and institutions inflict so much trauma and inflict so much damage in the way that things happen. Yet the, the beings and the realities behind that those structures are part of a lexicon, are part of a symbology, are part of a cosmology that is very strategic, that is actually beyond, oh, our parents decided to just randomly join this. No, there are movements that happen at the superconscious and much larger scale, the macro scale, right? And after having my African reconnection and reintegration, I was like, all right, Joshua, I guess you're cool, but I don't know about this other stuff with Catholicism. A lot of people don't know this about me, but I was actually the first black baby born in Padre Pio's hospital in San Giovanni Rotondo, Italy. Mm. I have very bizarre connections to Catholicism in my family. That's a whole other story. Very strategic things. And so after a time, Joshua and the saints started blowing up my life in front of people and saying, hey, man, you got to go back to Catholicism. You got to take all this knowledge of that you've gained from all these other traditions, including your ancestral one, and you got to take it back. And you got to start practicing that aspect, not being bound necessarily by all of it, but having it as your foundation. And I was like, hell nah, I'm not doing that. But what happened through that journey is an understanding that just like we can dissociate from our humanity, mm. we can also dissociate from our intrinsic spirituality. Mm. Spiritual bypassing isn't just the bypassing of what makes us material and what makes us human. We can also bypass our traditions. Mm. We can bypass our ancestry. We can bypass the unique way that we're built, that we're wired with the deepest intent. And that is why a lot of people who go from tradition to tradition, tradition are not in their power because they are looking at what has been cultivated within a community, within a, a context of spirituality that has been watered like this amazing garden. And they're like, I want that. What, I, what they really want is I want that connection. I want that sense of, of empowerment. I want that sense of having the benediction that flows from being in right relationship with my ancestral lineage and right relationship with my spirit soul. And when we don't know what is our own, when we grasp for other things, we don't even have the infrastructure and the shelving to mm. be able to put those books of knowledge in there. Mm. to put those different, uh, the framework to be able to hang those pictures yeah. and to be able to hang those images. And so part of my work for myself has been of coming home to the saints, masters, divine ones 
of my inherent being mm. so that I can hold the attunements for my clients to their tradition and at the same time be in my power. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I, as I listen to you, I just get, I, I feel aliveness in this conversation. There's, there's a depth, there's a resonance, as I used this word before, when I listen to you speaking. And it reminds me of, a, I'll share a quick personal story of when I was in, uh, I was in Sedona for the first time early last year. And I've also been on a journey of finding my own spiritual sovereignty and finding the the language or the symbolic deities and like the different paradigms that I resonate with and, and learning how to just be okay with exploring and um, running them through uh, my, my, my deepest spiritual filtration system, right. To find the ones that are like, all right, this is, this is for me, at least for the time being and being open to, you know, flexibility and shifting, but as you were with mm-hmm. your conversation with Yeshua and the ancestors. Mm-hmm. I was in Sedona and, you know, people talk, speak of Sedona, sacred land, and there's a lot of powerful story and energy and um, magic that occurs on the land. And so when I went there, I had this pull, this desire to have a spiritual experience. And even in that desire, there was an externalization of like the spiritual experience is like in Sedona, right? It's there. It's out there. It's in the, on the land and I'm going to it. And I remember walking, I just left the, the Airbnb I was staying at and I was just either walk, I think I was walking in one of the canyons and I just, I was sitting down and I was like asking, like, really want to have a spiritual experience? Like, like I want some, like lightning to strike me over the head. Like I want it to be just so clear. You know, I want the magic to be undeniable. And then I heard this message, which is, um, it was the spiritual experience isn't out there. Like you are the spiritual experience. And in that moment, I had this, this deeper awakening or remembrance of, oh, right. Like I am, the, I am the conduit. I am the vessel. I am God incarnate in form. You know, I am a representation of the whole And from that point on, I started seeing things a little bit differently and stopped looking so much without and more conversing within Mm -hmm. to experience that sense of intimacy and connection. So I'd love to hear your, your journey with that of, of discernment. Like you use the term miracle consciousness. So can you define that and then share how you navigate the difference between, you know, spiritual bypassing and miracle consciousness with sovereignty? Yeah, that's a good question. First, I just want to say that breakthrough that you had, that, that opening of I am the spiritual experience, I am the conduit, that's a profound thing. My teacher, one of my teachers, Ron Young, um, talks about how we open from within. Mm. And oftentimes in the spiritual journey, we're trying to get to the center from the outside. We're trying to, quote unquote, ascend from the bottom up. But a lot of what I've been finding in my internal investigations and meditation and prayer has been that the secret is knowing that you're our, we're already, I'm already at the center. The secret is knowing that I'm already in the depths of the earth being held. I'm already where I'm trying to go 
And the opening is realizing that and then being able to take that out and, and to hold that and to embody that. And that being said, miracle consciousness for me is being able to take that realm, that realm that is beyond the, the laws of cause and effect, that is beyond the laws of what we humans deem possible. And being able to take that from that spiritual reality and to hold it through the supermental, through the mental, through the emotional, and through the material, the physical, and hold it all the way through. And the difference between miracle consciousness and spiritual bypassing is that miracle consciousness creates miracles and spiritual bypassing never incarnates in the physical. Spiritual bypassing is always, you might have some synchronicities that happen. You might have some like dust that's kicked up, but nothing changes. Mm. And when someone is in miracle consciousness, the possibility that they see on a regular basis is reflective. Reality is speaking. So there are certain things, there are certain miracles that I've been told by different spiritual people, um, different readers, different teachers I've had, hey, Joel, like you're called to do this, that I haven't seen in my life yet. So miracle consciousness would be, okay, I've seen certain things open with clients. I've seen certain things in my personal experience. This is a reality and it's not here yet. Spiritual bypassing would be presenting myself in a certain way and basically being an imposter. Spiritual bypassing is not in the body. Whereas creation looks at how much of this have you embodied? Because that's what creation responds to. When someone steps forward and says, I'm this, creation's like, all right, show me. And I'll show you whether or not I believe you. Mm. Mm. Yeah. No, go ahead. No, no, finish. Go ahead. So I'll give you an example. So a lot of of times in, in a lot of different spiritual communities, we love to talk about, yes, our thoughts create our reality, our Basically, anything is possible. We can do anything we put our, our mind to. We are source energy in human form. We have all these things that are, that are true. And yet miracle consciousness is about taking that into the reality and the crucible of material life and being that alchemist that is willing to put those views to the test that is willing to go through the distillation process Mm -hmm. that is willing to actually see the shadow come up and say you ain't that you ain't that you ain't that you know what i mean and challenge it and only when someone is on the other side of that and is willing to even say you know what i am going to hold the tension of what is showing up in in my physical material nervous system senses Mm. while simultaneously 
holding this other reality that internally I'm opening to, Mm. even if this other reality doesn't show up, I'm not going to deny either one. I'm going to marry them. That's when miracle consciousness comes through. A few years ago, I was much younger. I was 21, 22 at this time. I had a family from Romania hear about some of the things that I was seeing. I was posting stories of miracles that I'd seen on Facebook, and they reached out to me. And they said, "Uh, Joelle, we heard about you. Our mother died two, three days ago from cancer. Would you be willing to pray for her to come back? So here I am on Skype with the body of a dead mom. Mm. When I can tell you from experience that holding that reality and being willing to, to pray for an hour, two hours, that changes some shit internally. Because at that point, it's like, it's, there's no affirmation. <laughs> there's no amount of wishing it. It's the, how much of the internal reality am I holding? When, I, when I'm working with someone, and that's, that's a very extreme example, but when I'm working with someone who came to me and said, hey, I have stage three, stage four cancer, or hey, I have HIV, or hey, I have insert, my finances took a hit, and I, how do I support my family? or whatever the, the urgency is that's brought them to me, at that moment, the question becomes, can I hold the reality right now for the reality I know to be true in my head and have witnessed to become real here and now? That is not learned without being willing to put what we deem to be spiritual ideology in the crucible of human life. Mm. miracles do not happen without the urgency for miracles Ah. so to paraphrase a bit of what I just heard is that miracle consciousness is the ability to it's almost like the ability to embrace the paradox that your a felt your perception of reality at any given moment is you know your perception of reality at any given moment but that it could change like at the drop of a dime and that you can acknowledge that there's parts of you that feel doubt and that there's parts of you that feel pain and discomfort while at the same time acknowledging that your reality could be completely different and that there's a choice point actually that creates the miracle consciousness. There's a choice to hone all of your focus in on this other reality and through that focus, creating the frequency that calls that reality into play. Is that what you're saying? That is definitely what I'm saying. And, and, and as you were talking, an analogy came into my mind that I love to use. So Joshua, taking Joshua as an archetype, this, the same dude that slept in a storm and raised the dead wept when he knew, and it's actually perfect timing because we're in Holy Week right now. So he wept 
when he was going to die. This is the same guy that had seen all these miracles, that had raised the dead, and he literally sweat blood at the thought of his execution. The same dude who had seen other people raised from the dead, according to the stories, right, wept when he saw Lazarus' family in disarray, even though he knew that the miracle was going to happen. There is this idea that being an ascended being or an ascended master or an enlightened one or a divine embodiment or whatever word people want to use inoculates us from the human experience. That's not true. What that does, as long as we're incarnate in human bodies, being enlightened or having these openings or these awarenesses gives us a different field of possibility from which to respond to life, from which to respond to the different circumstances the outer world are presented, is presenting us with. But if I'm in love, right, if I'm in relationship with human beings, with other human beings, I'm going to feel lost. We feel lost when a loved one makes a decision that we know is going to harm them. Mm. We feel grief when looking at situations that happen in the world that we couldn't necessarily do anything about. Just because even as I grow in this awarenesses and even as the abilities to bring through the divine grow, I'm not immune to being human. I'm not immune to crying. I'm not immune to feeling hurt. I'm not immune to looking at my text, just wondering, is she going to text me back? I could have all the different enlightenment and access to information. And that still doesn't exclude me from the fact that all of this has to flow through a human body, that all of this has to flow through time and space, and that all of this has to occur with me then taking all this information and allowing my human personality to catch up. No matter how advanced I get, no matter if I can levitate or bilocate or multiply food, there's always going to be a human experience, especially if I'm in a relationship with other human beings. Yes. I'm, I'm feeling the circle back to your initial story of how magic, spirituality, divinity was normalized for you. Mm-hmm. And that was a big, that's a big piece of, of miracle consciousness is the normalization of miracles. Like miracles yeah. are in the everyday and then marrying that with normalizing our humanity, normalizing uh, the, the nervous system's response to pain and doubt and um, remembering that we're carrying the the trauma of our ancestors and the trauma of our lineage and that's like every single one of us not one of us is immune to that even you know jesus himself coming into form in a human body you know he knew that he was going to get resurrected and yet still had that that experience of grief totally being able to hold both at the same time through through what i'm hearing as a takeaway through the continuous like normalization and exploration of both the the human and the holy within us. Totally. Because our response time 
can't get quote unquote more effective as long as we're in denial that these human things are occurring because miracle consciousness requires radical honesty about where I'm at and what I've actually, what I've actually opened to what I actually in my human am capable of, because that's the only way that I'm going to have the urgency to call upon the divine to take me past my comfort zone and my quote unquote limitations Mm -hmm. as a human being. If I'm not honest about who I am as a human being, how can I have any sort of urgency to call upon the grace to bring in that other reality? Cause I'm going to be like, Oh no, I'm a spiritual being. I'm a spiritual entity. You know, I'm, I'm light, you know, just crystallizing in human form and nothing's going to happen because I'm in denial. Mm. So there's a whole other podcast I'm going to do on this. I spoke to you about my journey with victim consciousness, right? And and how we how we actually like the power of our unconscious and subconscious desires, desires that we we had as children, but they weren't actualized, they weren't fulfilled, they weren't validated, they they hide in the shadow, and then they they kind of pull, they're like the puppeteers of our behavior. And um they would drive addictive behavior. They would drive attachment because we're, we're, we haven't learned how to mature uh, our inner, you know, inner child desires yet. And I think a, a key um, telltale of spiritual bypassing is, is somebody who hasn't owned and acknowledged the desires that are lying in, in their shadow. 100%. Mm-hmm. that that are are actually monopolizing their ability to manifest into the 3D to bring miracles into reality because they've got these competing subconscious desires 100%. that are very uncomfortable when we get honest radically honest about facing off with them like our desire to be dominated our desires to dominate our which have come out sideways because we haven't fully integrated like you said right relationship with the divine like that sense of being ravished and fully surrendered in the divine, that sense of control that actually comes with deep relationship in the divine. Like you can get all of those met when you're in alignment, but until you've <laughs> integrated those and acknowledged how they're not yet met, they're going to be running. They're going to be slowing down the process of, of miracles and manifestation and I'm going to flesh that out in another podcast, but I wanted to just kind of plant it in here because I think it, it fits in with what you were just sharing about not looking at, um, not looking at our humanity. Yeah. And One feel- of the- no, no, go ahead. I was going to say, and feeling it, like getting into our senses with it, like learning how to feel safe in the body, learning how to refine our experience of our senses, how to, how to manage and master versus, just kind of feeling like they're, they're jostling us like waves, our emotions. Mm. Mm. That whole thing about subconscious, the subconscious mind and these different hidden dragons that we have to go in and actually befriend, not slay, that we actually have to go in and befriend so they become allies is such a huge lesson. Yeah. Because without doing the deep, people want to do affirmations without digging the holes 
for the roots of the affirmation to actually be able to go in. Affirmations are actually like seeds. They're supposed to have a soil that's been dug for them (laughs) to go in. And that's why a lot of law of attraction and manifestation that's out there doesn't work because they're only dealing with the tip of the iceberg. They're dealing with the conscious mind. And the subconscious mind, this is known in a lot of different circles, is ruling 90 to 99% of our experience and what's coming out. Mm. I'll give you an example. If someone comes to me and they're saying, hey, I, wanna, I want this to manifest in my life. I want this healing in my body. I want this that, and the other thing. First and foremost, I let them know, like, look, I can't guarantee anything. I'm going to hold the reality with you. But one of the biggest lessons that I've had to learn is to see beyond the form and to see the urgency. Because while it's my perception and my view that the divine is given to each and every one of us, the possibility of being able to have heaven on earth. That doesn't mean we don't have pain or things that come up, but we have an experience where the fullness of possibility is open to us the fullness of the ability to respond to situations with the divine's perspective is available to to us. And some people have subconscious reasons and agreements, not just at the subconscious mind personality level, but also what we call soul contracts that we've been taught to idealize. We don't realize that what a lot of what we call soul contracts actually are soul trauma where we had something happen in another life. And then we're like, oh, you know, well, that's just my karma or that's just cause and effect. And we don't realize we have agency. We think that the human being is just a puppet for the quote unquote higher self, which is another form of spiritual bypassing. And so when people come in front of me, sometimes they actually are used to not getting attention. And all of a sudden they're sick and people are giving them attention and they're like, Oh my God, on, on a deep unconscious level, because obviously on a conscious level, no one would choose that. No one would, you know, or very, very, very few people would choose any, anything, you know, and, and any kind of victim blaming that happens is something I'm not saying just, just cause I want to be clear, mm-hmm. but at the deep unconscious level, we get payoffs, all of us yes. get payoffs from things that are occurring and things that are happening. And the, agency and sovereignty and being able to be in our divine authority is to have the courage to let the divine, to let the the spiritual forces that are working on our behalf to take us to see the skeletons in our closet, to take us to see the hidden agreements. That's where past life regression is appropriate, not as a curiosity, Because we can get entangled in stories that are not our own when we're looking into our ancestry and when we're looking into our our spirit, soul, lineage. But when we're guided there to see the dormant dragons, to see the hidden tricksters, to see the different stories, and when we shine the light and we allow them to come forward and actually become allies or to be resolved and integrated into that past, into the great beyond, then we have an empowerment that comes behind us and allows us to choose, Mm. which is why quote unquote miracle workers 
are able to call in different aspects of possibility than what is quote unquote normal because they have cleared the unconscious agreements. Most of what's showing up in our life, yes, at the highest level, we've chosen that. The issue with saying that to people is that people are not delineating between the conscious and the unconscious vantage points of decision. And so there are a lot of people self-flagellating themselves like, wow, I chose. No, we have to go deep, deep and deeply inward and, and go above to really see what did I agree to and does that work for me? Are you open to a part two podcast? Yeah, I'm open to a part two. <laughs> I just have a thousand tangents over. I want to take this, but I also want to stay. <laughs> I also want to, I also had a, I wanted you to define or maybe help me reconcile some of the like physiological responses I have to the word urgency, like mm. the word urgency creates a sense of like, contraction in my body which mm. I find cuts me off from the divine and intuition so how are you defining the word urgency and and are there other words you could use that mm. would be yeah. that might resonate more yeah right? yeah that's a that's a good point so for me urgency is a sense of this matters mm. this matters this is important mm. this is a priority mm. so we could even say a sense of priority Mm. a sense of of deep priority mm. because a lot of people they may have a desire to heal they may have a desire to awaken their connection to deity they may have a desire to be in a right relationship with that which is greater but they have not made that a deep or sacred priority mm. and that and so right before this this uh, call, this podcast, I was actually looking at the difference between Kairos and Kronos. Kronos time, right, is basically being in the flow of the natural flow of time. Kairos is that fleeting moment, that portal, that opening for when you shoot that arrow and it's going to hit its mark. For when you're weaving and the string goes through the loom. Kairos is that moment where we have aligned with that sense of sacred priority and our focus is on this is important. This matters. My health is important. My relationships are important. My desire to have this abundance is important. And whatever story that I've heard from my family on why I should struggle, whatever story I've heard from society about why I shouldn't express my authenticity, whatever stories that I've heard from myself because I want to protect myself from disappointment and letdown and heartbreak. I hear you and I'm going this way. That's what I mean when I say urgency. And you can also say sacred priority or deep priority or deep import. Mm. Mm. Thank you for, for that. I love the imagery. I love analogy and metaphor. Mm -hmm. What do you find? So in light of the transitions that the world's going through now, mm -hmm. where do you find that you're being 
called deeper into to practice or to to make your sacred priority right now? So for me, where I feel myself being called is first and foremost to make sure that I'm keeping up my own personal practice, make sure that I'm keeping my well filled, Mm -hmm. especially in this time where, you know, I mentioned that Catholicism is a part of my greater spiritual practice. And right now churches are closed. So that's a big, that's a big thing for me. And also being in a state of listening for how can I in myself and in others acknowledge what's happening, acknowledge like I'm in New York city, I'm in the epicenter right now. Uh, How can I acknowledge the different statistics and the different probabilities and the protocols and everything that is happening in the 3d world while simultaneously opening myself up to hold that other possibility and it's an ebb and flow and it's a, and it's a dance because i've had my days where i'm like fuck like this is happening my my loved ones in italy are going through stuff and i allow myself to feel the weight of what it means to be human and when i do that there's always a rope attached to my ankle that has bells on it that allows my team and my spiritual practice and my community to then pull me back to being in my place of power. Mm. And there, there are stories that for some people are stories. And for me, are case studies of great men, great women, great people who in the midst of great crises were able to hold a different reality and respond from a different place. There's this guy called San Francesco di Paola or St. Francis of Paola who lived, I think, in the 14th century, some 14th, 15th. And he was alive during the time of the Black Death, of the plague. And King Louis XI of France heard about this hermit, mystic, wonder worker, he was known as God's Miracle Worker Supreme. That was one of the titles that they gave him. And he, he literally sent an envoy to go get him to come to France and, and to heal him. And he's like, nah, I'm good, King. Like, I'm doing my thing. I'm doing my spiritual stuff. Like, so the Pope has to basically, under obedience, tell this dude to go come out there. And he goes, on his way to go meet the king, he's passing through towns. And this is written in, in their... The, 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 what's it called? The, the historical artifacts of the town, the, 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 the annals and all that stuff, right? Like, on his way to heal the king, he's like, hey, bring me out your dying and bring me out your, your deeply sick. And with a little blessing, he cures entire towns. There are stories and case studies of these kinds of men and women in the world today. I've met, I've had the, the honor of meeting very many hidden ones that most people would never know about and the medicine that they carry. And so in these times, those of us who have been given the privilege of having proximity to spiritual wealth, of having proximity to material stability, I feel that in these times we have a deep calling to ask creation, to ask Mother Earth, to ask the divine, how can my embodiment be of service? How can my thriving, how can my coming into alignment be of service for those who need to see what's possible for themselves? 
because ultimately saints, wonder workers, masters to me are like athletes. They're not here so we can pedestalize them and just say, oh, that's them. Cause that's another form of dissociating. Oh no, they were just like us. They're here to show us the potential of what happens when we take a deep movement of courage into that place of melding the physical, melding the 3D with that deeper opening to what's possible. Mm. And so that to me is my service is, is I wake up, God, great divine spirit, how can I see what is in front of me and know what I know and show up in that way? while being honest about where I am and allowing you to take me beyond. Mm, that's beautiful. I feel that deeply and I resonate with that deeply as well. That, that self first spirit first journey, integrating all the, all the parts. <laughs> and then, you know, allowing yourself to then from that space of full cup experience, other other realities, other points of um, yeah, other points in the quantum, other things that are happening while holding the miracle consciousness. Nope. Right, holding all of those realities simultaneously. Oh, that's amazing. I'm feeling I'm feeling like this is a good place to start winding the conversation. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to know if you if you want to speak into anything else. If you have any other points or messages that you want to share. Yeah. First of all, thank you for having me. This has been amazing. And secondly, so anytime I end a talk, I always want to give the audience, to give the people an opportunity to allow the divine and the saints and the masters and the divine ones of whatever tradition or no tradition they have to come in and bring a blessing, to come in and actually bring in that miracle consciousness. Because I'm not here to solely talk about it. It has to be experienced. So if it's okay with you, I'd like to end with a, with a short blessing. Yes, please. Okay. So wherever you are right now, wherever you're listening from, I just want you to it, be, to do what's comfortable for you. So if, you, if that means laying down, lay down. If that means putting your feet firmly on the ground, go ahead and do that. But just relax. And I want you to open to that sense of being loved and held without you having to do anything. For for some of you, that could be in a spiritual practice. For others of you, that could be through a loved one. But go ahead and amplify that sense, that somatic sense through your whole body. So great divine God, source, life. great mother, great father, all the saints, masters, divine ones, all the ancestors, guides, and guardians, 
I thank you. I thank you for each and every one who is listening. We're going through times right now of change. Times of tension, times of uncertainty. And so right now I speak to every and any apparent condition in the physical body, especially anyone who's listening to this that may know someone or may be dealing with apparent COVID-19. Great divine, I speak life right now. Every cell, every organ, be well. Right now we speak to anyone having deep concern, having struggle with finances, especially business owners that have seen their livelihood crumble and are now facing different choices. Speak to those especially dealing with uncertainty about being able to receive unemployment or those dealing with finances as a result of this in general. I thank you, Budai Lohan, great one, bringing in the blessing of abundance. Mahalakshmi, Oshun, all the great ones bringing in that abundance, bringing openings right now on every level from the spirit to the soul, the soul to the mind, the mind to the body, every level right now. And I thank you, Grande Jesu, Great Jeshua, Lord of Miracles, Womodi Galilea, bringing in stability in mind, stability on the emotional level, the physical level. For everyone listening, for everyone they're connected to, and for the collective. But thank you, Great Divine, for miracles, miracles, miracles. I thank you that reports are going to be coming, coming in, not only during this time, but to anyone to, who hears this replay. I thank you for the unexpected happening. I thank you for reorganization in people's lives and new life. Amen. 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 Mm. Thank you. where can people find you if they want to connect deeper yeah so you can check me out at my website if you want to know more about me and my work joeladifon.com i have a public private facebook group so basically it's a facebook group that's open to to everyone whether they've worked with me or not and all it is is divine intervention with Joel Adifon, parentheses, public group. You can check me out on there. I have an upcoming 
divine intervention with Joel Adifon event that is coming up, not today, so not this Wednesday, but Wednesday, April 15th. I'm excited about that. It's a great opportunity for to experiencing experience the saints, masters, divine ones working with me in a group setting. Messages come through, different healing graces come through, and, and it's a good time. So definitely come through for that. And you could check me out on my Facebook profile as well. Just search me, Joel Adifon, except the Joel has an apostrophe between the O and the E because sometimes people call me Joel. So yeah, find me. You got my Facebook profile. You got my uh, website. You got that uh, Divine Intervention with Joel Adifon public group. You got a good community going on there. And feel free to message me. Feel free to reach out and let me know, especially if you have miracles happen because we've seen amazing things with recordings and all kinds of stuff. Please reach out. Let me know what's going on for you. I love to see how I could be of service. So it's been a great time. Thank you, Chrissy. And thank you to everybody listening. Oh, thank you so much, Joelle. I'm going to link all of your, your socials and groups and whatnot in the show notes for people to find you. And I trust that everyone listening has gotten exactly what they needed from this transmission. It's been an honor and a privilege. Thank you, Joel. Likewise. Until next time, play on.